What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Thursday, April 21st. I'm Travel Anderson. And I'm Priyanka Arabindi. And this is what a day where we're holding on to the keys to everybody's planes until they promise not to fly over the Capitol without permission. Yeah, there was an evacuation there yesterday after an army plane flew over. Turns out they were part of a Nationals game. Yeah, no, baseball, you need to get it together. What are you doing? We don't do that. You're supposed to know better. On today's show, we talk about a new campaign to recruit you to be a local election official. Plus, we're going to tell you about a recent Washington Post piece that we can't stop talking about called Meet the Woman Behind Libs of TikTok. Yeah, just prepare yourselves for that. (laughs) But first, a quick update on mask mandates. President Biden's Justice Department said it had filed an appeal yesterday seeking to reinstate mask rules on public transit. The department was responding to a request from the CDC, which had issued a statement describing the mandate as still, quote, necessary for public health. The DOJ has not won to stay on the ruling that repealed this mandate yet. So for now, masks remain optional on planes, trains, and buses, and I imagine it will be chaotic trying to get people to put them back on if that is what ultimately happens here. Not looking forward to that moment. No. But now let's turn to the latest on Ukraine, starting with the southern port city of Mariupol. Earlier in the week, we mentioned an ultimatum that Russia gave to Ukrainian forces in the city. They basically told the remaining soldiers who are holed up in a steel mill plant in the city to surrender or die. Russian-backed separatists said only five people actually surrendered, which, assuming Russia isn't bluffing, could mean that the city, which has been at the center of the almost two-month-long war, could be captured very soon. A Ukrainian commander in the steel plant said his soldiers were, quote, maybe facing our last days, if not hours. The enemy is outnumbering us 10 to 1. He continued by making a plea to world leaders to help extract them. We are also seeing reports that it is not just armed forces in the steel mill, but also civilians. What is happening there? Yeah, so according to Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, there are also about 1,000 civilians hiding out in bunkers under the plant. And though Ukrainian authorities say a deal had been brokered with Russia to allow about 6,000 people in the city to evacuate safely over the last couple days, a deputy commander told Ukrainian TV that civilians were too frightened to make their way to the evacuation points. We also have an updated count from the United Nations that puts the total number of refugees who have fled Ukraine since Russia invaded on February 24th at over 5 million, with more than half of them being children. Yeah, it's just awful. So what does the next stage of all of this look like? Well, President Zelensky said he remains ready to swap Russian prisoners of war in exchange for safe passage for the trapped civilians and Ukrainian soldiers. But as we know, negotiations between the countries have mostly been fruitless. Meanwhile, Russia has significantly ramped up its assault on eastern Ukraine in particular. And Russia also announced on Wednesday that it had successfully launched a new missile that can deploy nuclear warheads at hypersonic speeds 
anywhere in the world and outwit defenses, which is a move that Putin said was aimed at showing Russia's adversaries that they needed to, quote, think twice before threatening his country. Absolutely terrifying. We can only hope that it's an empty threat, but of course we will keep y'all posted on these developments. Yeah, honestly, I'm I'm hoping there aren't any developments there, <laughs> right. but who knows? Moving to some domestic news here in the US, we wanted to circle back to this year's midterm elections and how important they are. We've been talking about them. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but they're here, they're coming, and they are very important. Very important. And many voting rights organizations are funneling their support to the people on the ground who oversee local elections. Among those organizations is Run for Something, a group dedicated to recruiting and supporting young candidates running for local office. Priyanka, what did they just announce? Yeah, so this week they launched an initiative called Clerkwork. It is a program dedicated to recruiting and supporting thousands of candidates for local offices in charge of running elections. So that's county probate judges, county clerks, county election board members, and more. These are positions most of us probably have never thought of before until Mm -hmm. they were caught in the crossfire of Trump's big lie and suddenly became like the most important things that our democracy hinges on. The idea is to back progressive candidates running for these positions so that we can prevent any future attempts to subvert our elections between now and 2024 and hopefully beyond. To learn a little more about the program and its overall goal, we have with us today Amanda Littman. She is the co-founder and co-executive director of Run for Something. Amanda, welcome to What A Day. Of course. Let's start with the problem that you and your team are trying to solve. So when we talk about attempts to subvert elections and democracy, what does that look like in our world today, you know, after January 6th? What should we be afraid of, especially on a local level? So I always think it's worth stepping back and really understanding the mechanics of how our elections are run. We do not have one single election in the United States. We have 50 state elections, many of which are run by secretaries of state, although some of them are run by other positions. Then we have about 3,000 county elections. Then we have thousands more municipal elections, which are run by people called local election administrators. Those are people who determine things like where polling locations are, what language materials are available in, what technology is used, how transparent the process is. In some places, they control the voter registration process. In other places, they might control the certification process. They are quite literally the people running our elections. And when you think about what election subversion is going to look like in 2024, it is much less likely to be a violent mob storming the Capitol, like what we saw after 2020, and much more likely to be a QAnon, or Nazi or a conspiracy theorist undermining faith in the process and fucking up the election in some way, shape, or form, whether it's in a battleground state and messing with the vote count or somewhere else and undermining faith in the process. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the Clark Work program you just announced. What are you doing? Where is it happening? So Clark Work is run for something's three-year, $80 million vision to save democracy from the ground up by getting people who care about our voters and care about democracy to run for the positions that literally run elections. You know, part of the reason we're doing this is because we have seen how the far right has invested so much time and money to getting people to run for these offices. If you listen to Steve Bannon's live streams or podcast, which don't, but (laughs) if you do, (laughs) this is what he talks about. Like he talks about running for precinct captain. He talks about running for election judge. He talks about running for county or city clerk. Trump said in front of a group of Republican donors, we care more about who's counting the ballots Mm -hmm. than who's on the ballot in the first place. Wow. 
They are laying the groundwork for this to be how they subvert the yeah. election. So run for something is raising as much money as we can and recruiting as many candidates as we can to run in as many of these elected positions as possible. Yeah, they're quietly just assuming these positions. So rather than like very loudly being at the Capitol, it's like, mm -hmm. oh no, we're just becoming a part of the daily like structures that we rely on. And it's already happening. In 2020, Tina Peters was the Mesa County clerk in Mesa County, Colorado. She is currently indicted for having shared secure election information with QAnon, specifically as part of a conspiracy theory. She's now running for Secretary of State of Colorado. She got the Republican Party's nomination, or at least 60% of the votes at their big convention. And the Republican candidate for governor has said if he's elected, he will pardon her. This is not a hypothetical. We have to be everywhere to stop it. Yeah. In recent months, we've seen Republican-led state legislatures like Florida establish so-called election police units in charge mm -hmm. of investigating election-related crimes. Obviously, many fear that such measures will further intimidate voters, especially in the upcoming midterm elections. In what ways does clerk work counter these types of efforts and initiatives? Well, part of it is just making sure that the plate, like polling places are safe and welcoming and accessible. Part of it is increasing transparency into the process. Clerks can give transparency into how your ballot goes from you voting to it being counted. Brianna Lennon is an incredible county clerk in Missouri. She has like done videos to see, here is the technology that's being used. Here is where your vote gets counted. Here is how your ballot goes from step one to step two to step three to completion. And I think even giving that transparency into the process really shows how hard it would be to undermine it unless you were maliciously doing so from the inside. Mm -hmm. So clerks have a bully pulpit they can use to like restore your faith in the, the technical ways in which our elections are run. So let's talk a little bit more about these positions. You know, what kind of experience or skills makes a good candidate? Who are the types of people you are recruiting for this? I mean, we have people listening to this podcast. <laughs> Would they be good fits potentially? Yes. If you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, you should definitely consider it. Um, it's a very detail-oriented job. It might or might not be full-time. It might or might not be fully paid. It's, you got to look up. You can go to runforwhat.net and get some more information about what's on the ballot near you. But it is for someone who is really excited to like run a process. Yeah, It's very operational. It's a lot of logistics. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of figuring out how to really communicate with your community about a process that they might not have a ton of insight into. There's also incredible resources for folks who want to learn how to run an election. So if you've never done this before, that's totally normal. Most people haven't. Yeah, as someone who has a mom who is like very into MSNBC and the like, I don't know. I feel like people listening to this might be in a similar boat. I feel like this is a good mm -hmm. suggestion for those parents who like might have a little extra time on their hands too. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'd be remiss if I didn't know that one of the big problems we've seen is that a lot of election administrators are older. A lot of them are retiring. There's going to be a lot of open seats in the next year or two um, because people got pretty freaked out after 2020. Yeah. Rightfully so. So whether you're a mom who watches MSNBC or a young person in college who's like, yeah, you know what? I'm ready to bring our elections in wherever I live into the 21st century so that we're no longer like using, you know, floppy disks in our local <laughs> county office, which is 
not an exaggeration. Oh my God. No, this is a job you can do. We will make sure you have all the skills you need. All you have to do is care, be willing to work hard for your campaign, um, and be willing to, to make the case to your neighbors why you should be in charge of really the the heart of the democratic process for their community. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. It is so exciting to watch you and Run for Something continue to succeed and roll out these amazing programs. Good luck with everything. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to run, go to runforwhat.net. If you want to give, runforsomething.net slash donate. We need all the help we can get to grow this fast because the crisis is big. So whatever you can do helps. More on all of this very soon, but that is the latest for now. Let's get to some headlines. Headlines. More news out of the U.S. state that looks the most like a big thumb pointing down. Florida's Senate approved one of the nation's most gerrymandered congressional maps yesterday. Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, who I feel like we talk on this show about every single day. Truly every day. Proposed a new map that's designed to add four GOP districts while eliminating three that had been previously held by Democrats, two of them being black Democrats. Florida's GOP-led House is expected to vote on this as early as today and send the map to DeSantis. But those who are against it, including the state's Democratic Attorney General, have already promised to sue. Meanwhile, in more Florida foolishness, yesterday the state's Department of Health issued new guidance that trans children should not get gender-affirming medical care. That includes hormone therapies, puberty-blocking drugs, and gender confirmation surgery. Instead, it said that kids should just talk to their friends and family, or maybe a licensed professional. And I know that sounds like a joke, but we're being serious here, and it is absurd. Truly. This new guidance goes against advice by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, along with other medical experts, which is par for the course for Florida going against people who study these things? Yeah, um, starting to think there's a reason that Florida is shaped like a thumbs down. It appears that we're all figuring this out in real time. (laughs) There is a follow-up to a story we talked about on Monday. Death row inmate Richard Moore was scheduled to be executed by a firing squad in South Carolina at the end of the month. But yesterday, the state Supreme Court issued a temporary stay on his killing. Moore had been sentenced to death for the 1999 murder of a convenience store clerk. The court said it would release a more detailed order later explaining its decision. But in the meantime, Moore's lawyers are separately asking a federal judge to consider whether capital punishment is cruel and unusual. I don't know. Feels like we already have an answer Sounds to that. Like it. But mm-hmm. Moore was given the option of being killed by the electric chair or by firing squad. And last week, he announced that he chose the firing squad. Lawyers and activists argue that both choices are, quote, barbaric methods of killing. While the South Carolina Supreme Court put that execution on hold, they set a date for another one to take place. Convicted murderer Brad Sigmund is set to be executed on May 13th. South Carolina is never in the news for good things. No, unfortunately. Hate to see it. Creating stress for investors that even Great British Bake Off can't cure, Netflix shares plunged this week after the streamer announced that it had lost subscribers for the first time since 2011. Netflix stock price fell by 35% yesterday morning in a year when it had already dropped by 40%. It's now 2022's worst performing stock on the S&P 500 and NASDAQ 100 indexes. Sounds pretty bad. (laughs) Sounds horrible, actually. 
As to what is driving the drop in subscriber numbers, which fell by 200,000 in the first quarter, the company pointed to increasing competition from newer streamers plus widespread password sharing. Netflix also lost 700,000 subscribers when it pulled out of Russia, but even without that, the company would still be performing well below what it expected for the quarter. I personally blame Dave Chappelle, and I won't be answering further questions. Nope. All right. None. <laughs> In a call with investors on Tuesday, Netflix CEO Reed Hastings communicated a willingness to introduce an ad-supported option and efforts to crack down on subscription sharing are already underway. Still, with over $50 billion disappearing from its market cap this week, Netflix execs must be feeling like a certain ruler of tigers who once said this. Oh my God. I am never going to financially recover from this. Wow, that, I feel like I blocked out the period of time where (laughs) we were watching that, but um, it's all coming back to me. Coming back so quickly. In a way that is slightly true. (laughs) Age may just be a number, but in South Korea, it can be three numbers. That is because the country currently uses multiple methods of determining someone's birthday. Though that could change soon, as the country's president-elect has proposed standardizing things so South Koreans don't get held up staring at the shelf with candles every time they have to decide which numbers to put on a cake. To drill down a bit, most legal and administrative processes in South Korea use the same system to calculate age that we use here in the U.S. But there's also a method described as Korean age, which counts newborn babies as one-year-olds, then increases their age by one on New Year's Day, regardless of their birth date. A third method is like Korean age, except children are born at zero instead of one. That method is used to determine eligibility for military service, plus a few other official applications. This means that V from BTS can be 26, 27, and 28 all at the same time. Sadly, only two of those ages fall in um, my dating range, but um, that's why this needs to be figured out. The pitfalls of dueling birthdays just got put under the spotlight during the pandemic when things like age of vaccine eligibility became murkier than was probably necessary. Lawmakers in Korea have tried to standardize age counting before, as recently as 2019 and 2021, but with no success. It remains to be seen if South Korean president-elect Yoon Suk-yeol has any better luck. Cutting down on birthdays isn't always a popular position based on the number of people I know who believe in something called a birthday week. Yes, shout out to all the Leos. We love a birthday week. Who Our doesn't? time is coming soon. Who doesn't? As long as you're not making it a month, like you're fine. Have your <laughs> week. Do your thing. And those are the headlines. We'll be back after some ads to talk about a story that has Tucker Carlson's head spinning and expose about the libs of TikTok. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, (laughs) everyone's getting flowers. (laughs) Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, books, promo code WAD. 
Hey, Wad Squad, we're going to wrap up today's show by getting you up to speed on a story that has the right-wing media frothing at the mouth, but we want to clear the air on it. It has to do with a recent Washington Post piece by reporter Taylor Lorenz called Meet the Woman Behind Libs of TikTok, Secretly Fueling the Right's Outrage Machine. We'll link to it in our show notes so you can read it too, but Priyanka, set it up for us. Yeah, here is the spark notes. Buckle up. This is a ride. So there is this Twitter account called Libs of TikTok. Basically, it reposts videos from TikTok and other news and social media posts, primarily by or about LGBTQ plus people. And they're framed in a way to be inflammatory, to make them look bad, to generate outrage among the right. You can probably imagine, Mm -hmm. you know, what kind of garbage this is posting. This account has grown a lot in the past year. Its content regularly ends up on some of the biggest platforms and shows in right-wing media, including Laura Ingram, Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, to name a few. Those are also three members of a true nightmare blunt rotation to uh, use a term from yesterday's <laughs> holiday. And what's specifically caught on from libs of TikTok is some of the anti-trans things it has posted. They've pushed the conspiracy theory about litter boxes in school bathrooms for kids who identify as cats, which is not a thing. They've also called on followers to contact schools about their bathroom policies and pushed ideas that people teaching about LGBTQ plus identities are abusive. I'm just struck by how absurd so many of these things are, but the way that, you know, these folks are actually passing them off as, like, legitimate truths that people should be concerned about. Right. Like, this account is basically, like, identifying scapegoats of Mm -hmm. all of these, like, bigger ideas that the right-wing media can then use to be like, see, look at this person. Look at what they're doing. It's really awful. But this goes beyond ridiculing people who are on the internet and on TV. It's also directly impacting policy. The press secretary for Ron DeSantis, Florida's Republican governor, who we have already mentioned on the show, there's already a Ron DeSantis bit in here, but nope, there's more, credited this account with informing her views on the state's don't say gay bill and, quote, opening her eyes, which is Mm-mm. alarming. Yeah, all of this is just really toxic stuff. If you are a person who doesn't live in this corner of the internet, as I hope most of us are, you probably are like, what is this disgusting nonsense? I also, if I was a press secretary for someone, wouldn't be bragging that I learned these things on TikTok. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm like, sorry. I don't know. Don't tell people that. <laughs> don't tell, like, one of the biggest newspapers in the country. That's a little embarrassing. Maybe it, have a little It's shame. a little foolish. But how are people responding to the article? Yeah, people are freaking the fuck out. Some are calling this a doxing campaign because in the article, Lorenz examines the origins of this account and published the name of the woman behind it. She is a real estate salesperson who apparently lives in Los Angeles. Side note, this is very much not doxing. At it just all. includes her name. As part of the reporting that went into it, Lorenz said a Washington Post reporter tried to reach this woman a number of ways, first by phone. When that didn't work, she knocked on the door of an address associated with that woman, according to public records. All of these are basic reporting Mm -hmm, practices. mm -hmm. Just journalists do their due diligence to try and talk with the subjects of their stories, to hear their side. Like, none of this is nefarious in any way. This is an account that influences news and policy and has hundreds of thousands of followers. It's not like this isn't public interest Mm -hmm. or that it's being reported incorrectly. Lorenz has also been a victim of online harassment campaigns herself. She's been really outspoken about it. So now people are calling her a hypocrite for writing this article, but that's 
really not at all true or what's happening. It's definitely not what's happening here. So her report has obviously taken a life of its own and become the new focus of the right-wing media, right? Right. Um, So there is this software developer who Lorenz mentions in the story as unearthing some of this account's deleted tweets and changes over time. And this person is working on an open-source project that's supported by a fund that receives funding from Germany. That seems like an obscure detail, doesn't really mm-hmm. matter that much. No, 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 not if you're Tucker Carlson. This led Uh-oh. to a batshit crazy rant on his show on Tuesday night. Take a listen for yourselves. In other words, what happened to the woman who runs libs of TikTok, her life being destroyed, was not the work of Taylor Lorenz, the fearless journalist who cries on TV from a PTSD, no. It was a foreign intelligence operation designed to silence and intimidate an American citizen. Wait, is that legal? Did the Biden administration have any role in this particular oh, intel? <laughs> Why is the German government trying to shut down an American Twitter account posting about American teachers? It is so interesting how folks like Tucker Carlson take the smallest thing and like blow it up into the most absurd foolishness that you can Not even wrap your head around. No. Because that doesn't make sense. There's that, A, and B, I feel personally attacked by how loud that was in my (laughs) ear by our sound engineer, Bill. Love you, but that was very extremely triggering to me. Um, There you have it, though. That is my best attempt to recap this story and all of the surrounding hoopla. We will include a link to the original article by Taylor Lorenz in our show notes, along with a thoughtful piece by journalist Alex Perrine about the response that followed. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, have a happy birthday no matter how many times you celebrate it, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just friends, Netflix passwords like me, What A Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Priyanka Arabindi. I'm Travel Anderson. And, and stay, stay on, on the, the ground, ground airplanes. airplanes. Not my airplane tomorrow. No, no, no. I'm (laughs) flying tomorrow. You need to be getting off the ground. You have permission to take flight. Thank you. Just me, though. (laughs) What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine and Raven Yamamoto are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran and me, Gideon Resnick. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com.